You didn't mean it, so I want you to say it like you mean it. I'm special. Now, we're going to practice something here because this is, a, this is an interactive message series. So now I want you to emphasize the second word. I want you to say, I am special. All right, go. Oh, y'all are good at this. Now you get to emphasize the last word. I am special. Oh, thank you. Very good. Now, it, notice a couple of verses here from the scripture. When Job was talking to God, Job said, your hands shaped me and made me. And then a little bit later, when, when God is speaking to Isaiah, he's talking about his people. He says this, the people I have shaped for myself will broadcast my praises. That means that God did not mess up when he made you. He didn't drop you on your head spiritually so that you came out screwed up. You are not a mistake. God created you with some talents and with some abilities on purpose to serve him. Last week, we looked at the first two factors in, um, in our acrostic shape. And uh, we said that this, this suitcase represents the average person's life. And we said that every person is a creation of God, but not every person is a child of God. And we said that a person without God does not have God's Holy Spirit living inside of them. So what the Bible tells us is that a person without Christ has no spiritual capacity to understand spiritual matters as they pertain to God. So what happens is we said that you have to invite Christ into your life. So starts off empty. This is your life. You're created by God. And what you have to do is you have to ask God to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. That's how he comes into your life. And this cross represents God's Holy Spirit, because we're told in the Bible that whenever we ask Christ to come into our life, his Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in our life. So I'm going to put that in there. But the Holy Spirit never comes empty handed. He always brings housewarming gifts, at least one or two gifts. And we call these spiritual gifts. And it's up to you to unwrap those gifts, to figure out what they are, to develop them and use them to serve God. But God doesn't just stop there. You know, we did all this study last week. If you didn't get that, there's some listening guides back there. You can go online and you can listen to that online. Now, God also, we said, gives you a heartbeat. There are certain things that you hear about and your heart beats a little bit faster. There are other things that you hear about and you go, I couldn't care less about that. So we say that God designed you with certain passions. Some areas that you're going to be passionate about, some that you're not going to be passionate about. Some folks love working with children. Some folks can't stand children. We don't want those people working with our kids, all right? So there's some area that God has given you a passion for, and that goes into your life as well. And we'll come back and we'll visit this here in a minute as we look at other ways that God has shaped us. But I just wanted to give you a quick review of what we're doing. So your, your spiritual gift from God determines what you do in the church. Your passion determines where you do it in the church. You were put on this earth to make a contribution, not just to take up space. God formed every creature with a special ability. Some animals run, some jump, some dig, some swim, some fly. Each animal has a particular role to fill based on the way God has shaped them. And if you want to discover your God's will for your life, and, and this is the funny thing, I have never found someone who said, no, I don't want to know what God put me here for. Every time I've asked people, do you want to know God's will? They always say, yes. Well, the key to understanding God's will for your life is to understand how he shaped you. The first two parts of that are spiritual gifts and your heart, your passion. Today, we're going to start looking at your abilities. Now, here, this is on your listening guide. All abilities come from God. All abilities come from God. Your abilities are the natural talents you were born with. And since your natural abilities are also from God, they are just as spiritual 
as your spiritual gifts. The only difference is that your natural talents and abilities were given to you at birth. You don't get spiritual gifts until you come to Christ and get reborn. That's what um, it talks about in John chapter 3. So when you ask Christ to come into your life, spiritually, that's your birthday. We talk about you need two birthdays. You need a physical birthday. You need a spiritual birthday. You don't get the spiritual gifts until you have a spiritual birthday. Makes sense, right? Now, your abilities come from God. Some people have natural ability with words. They come out of the womb talking, right? You've seen them. You may, if you're laughing right now, you know some. You may be very close to them. Some people have natural ability to build things. God's given them, you know, Ryan and I were talking about this earlier. And Ryan says, man, I don't have a mechanical bone in my body. He said that he, you know, he had, he hires people to do that stuff, which is okay. He recognized that. Other people, God has, has given the ability to do that. Some people come out with natural athletic ability. Now, I've got a soccer ball because that's what we do right now. We are in almost year-round soccer. We're playing indoor soccer. Uh, we had two games yesterday Caleb had to play. Some people come out and they just have natural ability at soccer. Have you ever seen some children who don't have natural ability at soccer? It's painful, but we clap and say, good job, good job. But as they get older, somebody's not going to be so nice, right? Some coach is going to say, look, dude, you need to be a manager, you know, or you need to do this because you're not helping the team. You can help do what? A towel boy, water boy. Yeah, never mind. We won't go there. Not going to use that uh, that movie today. (laughs) We'll just leave that one alone. All right. So God has given us those natural abilities and you see, you begin to see how God is is shaping a life, right? And no two lives are exactly the same. God has shaped you uniquely to make a contribution here on this earth. But all talents come from God. Now, one time God wanted to build a tabernacle in in the Old Testament. A tabernacle was basically this elaborate tent. And in this tent, it was a place that the, the Israelites were going to worship God. The reason they had to have a tent was because they were wandering in the wilderness. Some of you remember this story. They were supposed to go in the promised land. They disobeyed, so they didn't get to go in the promised land. And they had to wander in the wilderness one year for each day that the spies had been in the promised land. So that was 40 years. So during this 40 years, they did not have a church. And God said, I want you to build a church. But God gave them unbelievably intricate uh, instructions about how they were to build this tabernacle. They were going to use gold and silver and precious gems and metal, and they were going to do all kinds of artistic things. And God was very detailed about that. And whenever God wanted them to build that, guess what? He, he shaped a man specifically to head this, this whole undertaking. Look at what it says in the Bible. Exodus chapter 31. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, intelligence, and all and skill in all kinds of crafts. He is able to create beautiful objects from gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in cutting and setting gemstones and in carving wood. Yes, he is a master at every craft. When God needed somebody to, to be a craftsman, he had already equipped somebody to be a craftsman. Where did the abilities come from? From God. Now, God never intended for Moses to build the tabernacle. Moses was supposed to lead. He had the gift of leadership. So God said, you lead, you intercede, you pray for everybody, but I'm not expecting you to do everything. There was someone else who had the specific gifts necessary, the talents necessary to carry out this task. And that's the way God operates today. He has given the church everything they need to do ministry. The problem is a lot of us are sitting on the sidelines. We're sitting in the stands. We're not involved in ministry. And that's one of the quickest ways you'll see people begin to leave the church when they're not involved in a ministry. They don't have ownership in the church. 
Now, let me give you an example. We have some folks up here that are that are skilled in uh, in musical ability. Have you ever heard a band that wasn't? I, I don't want to be a part of that. I've, I've listened and it's just noise. Well, these guys spend a lot of time each week um, practicing and we just wanted to give you a little video of, uh, of kind of one of their rehearsals. Check this out. about two hours each week up here, even though God has gifted them and given them talents that they can do this music stuff, the more people you have in the band, the more practice it takes. And so it's usually about 30 to 45 minutes per song that they do on Sunday mornings. That's a lot of work. They have to develop those things. Even though God's given them the talent, they've got to work at it to mesh together so that what you see up here on Sunday mornings is awesome. I enjoy what they do, but they have to work at it. They have to develop that. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says there are different abilities to perform service, but the same God gives ability to all for their particular service. What that means is God has given you an ability. If you come to our 101 class, one of the things we talk about there is that God has gifted everybody. Everybody is a 10 in some area. Everyone is a minister and no ministry is unimportant. How many of you were greeted as you came in today, either in the parking lot or downstairs at the door or when you come up here? Let me see your hands. Greeting is a huge part of our ministry. We believe that that most people decide in the first 10 minutes whether they're going to come back to the church again. So we believe that church actually begins in the parking lot. We believe that that if the bathrooms aren't clean, then then folks are going to think some things are, are wrong with us and they're not going to come back. Every ministry is important and you are a 10 in some area and we need you to serve in whatever area that God has put you in. Now, um, sometimes when when folks they'll fill out our one on one card and, and it'll ask. Um, there's a section on there at the end. We just ask for some information. And, and on that card, we ask them to, to tell us what they're good at. And a lot of times people will say, we'll leave that blank. And I think if you were to ask them why they leave that blank, they would say, well, I don't have any abilities. I don't I don't have any talents. I don't have anything that that God could use. And, and that's wrong. <laughs> that's just flat out wrong, because Romans 12, 6, God has given each of you the ability to do certain things. Well, that's you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. No, stick your finger out and tell them, that's you. 
All right. That means you've got something to contribute. Many studies indicate. Now, listen, you're not going to believe this when I tell you. Many studies indicate that every individual has between 500 to 700 skills and abilities. Five. That's you. So I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, man, I got skills. Oh, yeah, sure. You say that one. You say that one real well. Okay. Now, second thing on your listening guide, every ability, every ability can be used for God's glory. Every ability can be used for God's glory. That means the opposite is also true, though. Every ability can be used for something that is not glorifying God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If I put the rest of that in there, it says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Let me just give you a list from the scripture, from the Bible of some of the abilities mentioned. Artistic ability, architectural ability, administering, baking, boat making, candy making, debating, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, leading, managing, sailing, being a soldier, teaching and writing. There's all kinds of abilities mentioned in the scripture. And you have some of them because God did not mess up when he created you. And God has provided the church as the place where you discover those abilities and use them. Now, you might want to write this down. I didn't put this on your listening guide. Abilities without God are just talents. Abilities without God are just talents. Abilities with God are opportunities for ministry. Abilities with God are opportunities for ministry. Now, number three, what I'm able to do, God wants me to do. What I'm able to do, God wants me to do. You are the only person on earth who can carry out your uh, job assignment that can use your abilities. Nobody else can use yours. No one can play your role because no one else has your unique shape that God has given you. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, 21, that God gives you all you need for doing his will. So spend some time figuring out what you do well, what you enjoy doing. Spend some time figuring out what you don't do well. If God has not gifted you or given you a talent for music... You're not going to be successful in that ministry and nobody else is going to like it either. So God's not going to call you to do something that he's not talented you to do. Now, remember this. Your abilities were not given to you just to make a living. God gave them to you for ministry. Three action steps that you can take when it comes to abilities today. Number one, and I'll give you an opportunity to do this later, but number one is let God know that you are ready and willing to do his will. You get usable to God and he'll wear you out. And it will be incredibly fulfilling. Number two, be prepared for opposition from Satan. Whenever a, a person gives their life to God, Satan is going to try to keep them from being effective at that. Because here's what he knows. We talked about this Wednesday night. If every person here had ten folks that they were reaching out to, trying to bring them closer to God... Satan is going to try to keep us from doing that because he knows we will be incredibly successful. So what he does is he attacks us individually to keep us from using those talents and abilities for God. And he, and he tempts us to use them somewhere else. And so he knows this is the most dangerous group of people on the face of the planet. And this is the most meaningful thing we can give our lives to is building God's kingdom because this lasts beyond the grave. My, my secular jobs that I've had in the past would never last beyond the grave. What we're doing now lasts for eternity. That's why it's so important and Satan's going to oppose you. Number three, believe God will use your ability. 
God has promised to use your life, your abilities. But if you never try serving others, are you even giving God a chance? I want you to think about that while we sing a little bit more. When your heart is spoken for, I, I was just thinking about that. Um, Hannah comes into my comes in last night. Hannah's my one that stays up, you know, just as late as she can. She's six years old, and so she comes in last night and she says, "Daddy, you know, real cute, real sweet. This is about ten thirty. I don't know. Will you tell me a story? I mean, it's anything she can to stay awake. So I just decided to tell her about when when uh, I proposed to her mom." And uh, she just was grinning. I drew a picture. We were in San Antonio, you know, at the Hemisphere Tower. We had dinner up there. And so I'm drawing pictures and all that stuff. And, and as, I was, as we were singing that song, I was just thinking about what it means when my heart is spoken for. Um, I always believed that, uh, that if you weren't wearing one of these or if you hadn't, you know, given a woman one of these, that there were no rules, you know. So, like... You, we talked about this in recovery last week. Um, I, I'm telling my story, no one else's story. I, I'll tell my story. Um, but I just believe that, you know, if there was a good-looking girl there and she wanted to kiss, then you kissed her. It didn't matter if you were dating somebody. But when it came to the point, yeah, I was, I was real. This was the old life. This was the old life. Before my heart was spoken for, because when... When I proposed to Janie, actually before that, um, I remember kind of losing the grip of my heart to this woman. And my brother is the one who, who did our wedding ceremony and uh, did our premarital counseling. And, and he said to me, you know, we did all this counseling and then he talked to her and then he talked to me individually. And uh, he said, dude, he said, I bet you just looked into those beautiful blue eyes and just kind of fell in and never got out. I said, you're right. And to this day, I still love those beautiful blue eyes. And there is no one else for me. And when I gave my heart to her, you know, I gave her a, I gave her a little statue one time on, um, on Valentine's Day that says, I still do. And it's got the little, you know, it's the little precious moments things and it's pointing at the ring. It says, I still do. And every once in a while, I'll say to her, I still do. And I was thinking about our relationship with God. My life did not really take on meaning until I gave my heart to Christ. And then He began to fill my life with stuff that... I mean, this, you people coming to something that, you know, this is God's deal. This isn't my deal. And I go home on Sundays, whether it's from here or from from, uh, Celebrate Recovery or Wednesday night when we had our first Wednesday, I go home and my heart is just overflowing. I can't go to sleep. I'm all jacked up for a while. And I'm just saying, God, thank You. For letting me do something meaningful with my life. Well, um, let's keep on. That was just free. I didn't even plan on saying all of that stuff. When you give your heart to Christ, He's going to do some incredible things with you. That's the point of that story. Um, let's talk about personality a little bit. I want you to do something. On your listening guide, you've got some space right there next to the word personality. And I want you to draw two blanks in there for me. Leave a little space because you're going to write on each blank. So one right underneath the other. Two blanks. Now, on the top blank, what I want you to do is I want you to sign your name. All right? Just, just like you do on a check or whatever else you sign your life away for. Um, just sign your name there. All right? Now, on the second blank, 
I want you to take the pen, put it in your other hand, and I want you to sign your name again. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did this, I did this just, you know, so I could say I did it, and it was, it was not pretty. My dominant hand isn't pretty handwriting. You put it in my non-dominant hand, that's plum ugly. It looks like dough wash good or something like that. I don't know. Look. <laughs> so, let me, dough wash good. That's right, Can Daddy. I put that on your email. Where's Can Daddy? Now, let me ask you, how did it feel whenever you used the wrong hand? Wrong. Yeah, weird. It took more time. It took more. <laughs> it's kind of like when I throw left-handed. Oh, dude. You talk about not looking masculine. I don't do that when many people are around because God didn't make me left-handed. It's uncomfortable. Woodworkers know that you're going to be much more success, successful when you're working with wood if you go against the grain instead of, uh, I mean, with the grain instead of against it. Golly, do I mess that up? Well, in the same way, do what? Yeah, I don't work with wood very often. Every once in a while, you work with the grain instead of against it because it's much easier. In the same way, God has designed you with a personality and your personality is going to enhance your ministry. And if you're serving in a place that that does not fit your personality, then you're going to be frustrated. It's going to take more time. It's going to take more energy, more effort. And that's why um, you cannot imitate someone else's ministry. You can learn from them, but God has shaped you in a unique way. And you have to filter out what you learn from others through your own shape. Your personality comes from God and it will affect where you use your spiritual gift in ministry. Now, I want you to remember this. There is a big difference between attitude and personality. A huge difference between attitude and personality. Attitudes can change. Your personality doesn't. Your basic personality does not change. I want you to look at the life of Paul in Galatians chapter 1. Now, Paul was this guy. He was a radical guy. And he started churches all over Asia. Um, and, and let me just read this letter to the church at Galatia that he expected to be read and then passed around to others. Here's what he said. You have been told how I used to live when I was devoted to the Jewish religion. How I persecuted without mercy the church of God and did my best to destroy it. I was ahead of most other Jews of my age in my practice of the Jewish religion and was much more devoted to the traditions of our ancestors. What he's saying is, I was in the who's who of the Jewish tradition, the Jewish religious schools. And he was. He was trained by the most famous rabbi, Gamaliel, in Jerusalem at that time. And he says, I was far ahead of everyone else. I was the Jews, Jew. They held me up as an example of what a Jew should be. And, and before he became a Christian, he says that I was fanatic in my attempts to destroy Christianity because he thought he was he thought he was defending God. He thought this Christian thing, this Jesus thing, he thought they were wacko. And so he did everything he could to destroy Christianity. He was running around having Christians thrown in jail. He even held the coats uh, of the people who killed one of the first deacons, Stephen. And he was nodding his approval at, as this guy was talking about Jesus and the glory that he saw in heaven. Paul was like, we got to get rid of him. Anything possible to destroy this Christian thing before it gets started. But when he met God, his life radically changed. Galatians 1, 15 and 16. But God in his grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him. And when he decided to reveal his son to me so that I might preach the good news about him, then he says, I went and I started preaching radically. Galatians 1, 21 through 24. Afterward, I went to places in Syria and Cilicia. At that time, the members of the churches in Judea did not know me personally. They knew only what others were saying. 
The man who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. And so they praised God because of me. Now, once God got control of Paul's life, his attitude changed. His life changed. His purpose in life changed. But he preached Christ with the same fanatical zeal that he tried to destroy Christianity with before. Now, God wanted a lion to boldly go places that nobody had ever preached Christianity before. And so he chose Paul. He had already shaped Paul for that ministry. God wanted to rechannel his personality so that Paul's life contributed to good on earth. And God wants to do the same thing with you. He wants to rechannel your personality so that you make a contribution on this earth. Now, I'm going to talk to you about personalities, and uh, this is one of my favorite things to do. Whenever I'm doing marital counseling, we, we have a personality profile test. And what I've said is that you need to do some homework. If you've signed up for class 301, do not come to class 301 on February 19th without doing your homework. It'll be a waste of your time. It'll be a waste of my time. So what I want you to do is I want you to take, there's two sheets of paper back there. By next week, there'll be two more sheets. So there's four things that you need to do before you come to class 301. You're going to take a personality profile and uh, I'm going to talk to you real quickly what that is like. And we're going to use these animals that I have here because this is something else that God has given you. There is the lion personality. Everybody see the lion? There is the uh, otter personality. There is the beaver personality. And there is the golden retriever personality. Now, just for... uh, Just for time's sake, I'm going to put all of these in here. You are schizophrenic if you have all of these personalities, okay? So this is not what I'm saying. You don't have this in your life, all of these, but just for now, that's this is how God shaped you. So he gives you spiritual gifts. He gives you a heart or a passion for something. He gives you natural abilities, and then he gives you a personality. Let me give you just quickly some things about personality. Um, The lion, and I want you to think about in here who has these characteristics. The lion is a take charge person, problem solver, competitive, enjoys change. They're confrontational. The lion can sometimes attack people because they just are they're not meaning to, but they want to get a job done. They're not worried about um, people's feelings. They're worried about getting the job done. Anybody in here like that? You got some lion tendencies? I have lion tendencies. Um, Who else? Anybody else? All right, I see some of you. You want to get the job done and forget how people feel. You just want to get the job done. Now, the otter personality. The otter is uh, the social director type person. They're optimistic, energetic, motivators, future oriented. A lot of otters don't even wear. They don't even own a wristwatch because what's time? Time is fun. Let's have a great time. And in the band, we have Wes, who is like off the chart otter. Um, Daryl is an otter back here. Jennifer is an otter. Yes, I can see that, Jennifer and you. Um, you're, most of you don't know Andrew yet. Andrew um, is married to Kimberly. Kimberly plays the keyboard in the band. You're going to see Andrew in just a second in a video, and you're going to see that Andrew also has otter tendencies. You want these people to host your parties. You do not want these people to plan your parties um, because that's just a bad thing. You are looking for trouble if these folks plan your party. So there's another type that's called the retriever. The retriever is warm and relational. The number one uh, characteristic that they exhibit is loyalty. They enjoy routine. Do not mess up their routine because they like it. Um, They are peacemakers. They will go to extremes to make sure that peace is... uh, 
um, is maintained and they'll even take relational pain so that they don't have to deal with any confrontation. Sensitive feelings type folks. Um, now, my wife is an off the chart golden retriever. Sandy Gleason is is golden retriever. Um, Danielle Maldonado is golden retriever. You, you see those people. If you know them, then you understand what I'm talking about. Um, and then there is the beaver. The beavers are the people that you want planning your party because they'll calculate how many people are there. They'll calculate, you know, the, the, the body mass index of each person that's going to be there. And they'll tell you how much food. They'll calculate how many pieces of ice you need to have to last the four hours of the party. And they'll give you every cent they love. They live to find every cent in the checkbook, you know. And I'm going, dude, if you're within a nickel, whoo, great, you know, but they want to find every penny and it drives them crazy. And um, I think that, you know, that quality control people, they're the ones that, that drive you nuts at work because they're the ones that make sure the rules are followed. By golly, rules are there for a reason. We should follow those rules and, and they can drive you crazy. And if, by the way, let me ask you, any otters? Who are the otters in here? Raise your hand. That's the life of the party. We love to party, love people. They get energy from people. All right. Golden retrievers, those folks that, you know, they're the wallflowers. You go to a party, they're hanging out over here at the side just looking. And they're almost hoping nobody comes and talks to them. My wife, when we first got married, oh, my soul, I don't know why she married a minister, because we would have these big social get togethers. My church in Arlington is a church of about 600 people. We'd have this big old church party and and my assistant, his wife was also a golden retriever. You would look like two minutes into the party. Hundreds of people around and Chris and I are just having a good time. Woohoo, yeah, more people. And you look around, our wives are gone. And you walk down the hall and they're hiding in my, my office with it locked. And they're just having a big old time, having their cup of coffee, just loving life. The, the golden retrievers love to have one or two people at the party. That's enough. It stresses them when they get above that. So how many of you are golden retrievers? Let me see that again. How many of you are beavers? All right. Now, I think David has some beaver tendencies in him because he wants things just right. And you got some of these guys that are that are otters that are like, I don't want to plan anything. It's no fun. And so you're going to have conflict sometimes just because God wired you up differently. Thank God we're not all lions. We'd kill each other. Thank God we're not all golden retrievers. We would never get any relational conflict out in the open. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong with you? Nothing. Oh, good. Bye. You know, and there would be no closeness. So God wired us up with these different personalities on purpose. And uh, and he he just loves variety. Now, let me just let me just ask you a couple of questions. Some are introverts. How many of you are introverts? Extroverts. God loves variety. Yes, over there. And he'll make sure you see him if you don't know that he's an extrovert. Wherever you go. You don't even have to know Wes is in the crowd to find Wes because you're going to hear him, you know, because he's just going to be partying and having fun. Some people love routine. Others like variety. Some are thinkers. Some go based on their feelings. Some people, when they go swimming, some are the plungers. Just jump right in. It doesn't matter what the temperature is. Others are the dippers. And they put their toe in and then they go in real slowly. And here's the thing. Plungers tend to marry dippers. You think there's not conflict in marriage? I'm a plunger. How many of you are plungers? I don't want to know how cold the water is until I'm all the way under. Then I'll come up and complain about it. But, you know, I am not sticking my toe in and walking one inch at a time. That's not happening with me. Um, 
Some folks like to be given an individual assignment. Some people like to work in a group. God designed us with variety. And so when you think about how God created you, all of us are different. Do you understand how you're shaped then? I'm going to give you a, a spiritual gifts test next week that you can take. But a, a standardized test, there's no way a standardized test can tell every individual the way that they are shaped by God. You have to look at all of these aspects. Next week, we'll also look at your experiences and how God wants to use your experiences. Your greatest area of misery is going to be your greatest area of ministry because God redeems all of your life and God does not mess up. Now, like stained glass... Our different personalities reflect God's light in many colors and patterns. And this blesses the family of God and it gives us variety. It gives us depth. And it also gives you permission to try different ministries. If if we don't have a ministry that floats your boat, guess what? You get to start one. And we'll cheer you on. But don't expect me to do it or expect somebody else to do what you are called to do. Janie and I were talking about this. I heard a pastor at a conference last week. He said, whatever drives you nuts in the church, you are called by God to fix. (laughs) Guess what? Next time you come to complain, God has called you to fix that problem. Right? If it's driving you crazy, you can't stand it. Maybe that's the voice of God. Maybe you should open the door, answer the phone, whatever analogy you want to use and get busy serving in that area. Um, We'll pray with you to find your ministry. but, But in the meantime... Get busy doing something because you're going to find out how God has given you talents and abilities really by experimenting. You're not going to know from a test exactly what God wants you to do. The needs in this church are greater than the number of people we have serving. We currently have about 15 to 20 people on a regular basis that are serving. There's always at least 10 people downstairs working with the children that you never see. And most of them never get up here in the service. We have folks that greet outside. We need folks that greet right there at that door. Um, we need we need folks to help with sound and, and lighting and, and video. And, and there's all kinds of different things that we need. Um, it doesn't take any special abilities to do some of the things we need. All you got to have is two hands to clean a toilet or to push. the. Let me just give you an example of this. You know, no special abilities are required. Um, we're going to show you another example of our serving Olympics and then we'll finish this up. Welcome to the second event of our Serving Olympics at New Life Community Church. Today we have the vacuum cleaner race. Let me introduce you to our two contestants. Here in the New Life shirt, from the beginning a New Life member, is our two-time defending world champion, vacuumer of of houses all her life. She had a three-story home that she vacuumed all by herself every day for 17 years until she graduated from high school. She is our champ, Danielle Maldonado. And over here is our newcomer, newlywed, never vacuumed a day in his life, signed up for this event by his wife because she wants him to get some experience. All right, here we go. The rules are two laps around the course. You must stay at all times inside the cones. When you finish, we will measure how much you have gotten, and you must have a minimum of two cubic ounces of dirt and other various trash particles. Do you understand these rules about explaining them to you? Yes. All right. Contestants, are you ready? Yes. Gentlemen, start your... Gentlemen and ladies, start your vacuum cleaners. Three, two, one, go! 
still champion Danielle Maldonado Neal. I dub thee Queen Queen the that Andrew has a future in our video ministry here at, at New Life Community Church. Um, Alex said, would it be too risque for you to pull off your shirt? He's like, no, man. <laughs> He's an otter. Otters like to have fun. Pat him on the back and he'll do more crazy stuff. Um, so what can you do? Here's, here's how we finish today. What can you do? There's three things. Realize that your personality will be a benefit to your ministry. Your personality will not hinder your ministry. It will benefit your ministry. Number two, thank God that your personality is the right one for you. God didn't mess up. And God's going to take your personality and rechannel it for His good. Number three, use your personality as a complement to the body of Christ. What I mean by that is if you can't smile and that's just the way God made you, don't greet. I mean, come on. That doesn't take any brains. Get back where nobody sees you and do something else that God can use you to do. I mean, makes sense, right? Use your personality to build up the body of Christ. Now, next week, we'll have a list of places that you can serve in, in New Life Community Church. And our goal is to double the number of people that are currently serving. We need 40 to 50 to make this place um, uh, Roll on a regular basis and be prepared for those times when we're going to expand. God is bringing more and more folks to our church and we've got to be ready for that. If we're not ready, whenever God's ready to, to, to build a church and, and to bring a bunch of new Christians, he looks for the warmest incubator he can find. And that is a place where people say, I will serve and do whatever I can to build up God's body, the, the church. When he finds that, that church will explode. And that's what we believe. Now, once you take your registration cards.